This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 155, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, March 19th. This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 155. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is our reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, March 19th. Every week on the odd-numbered episodes of Comic Shenanigans, we take a look back at the comics that were released in the previous week uh, and give a bit of a quick run-by as what happened in the issue and also what I thought of the issue. Uh, for those who may not know who I am, I'm obviously the host of Comic Shenanigans, but I'm also... Uh, pre- I used to be a comic reviewer for the uh, Comic Stream website from 2004 to 2009, and then most recently I've worked for the publication Comics and Gaming Magazine, or cgmagazine.com, uh, sorry, that's, yeah, I believe, uh, which is a Canadian publication, uh, but I've been doing the podcast for about a year and a half now. So the first book we're going to take a look at this week is none other than The All New Invaders number 3. Uh, this continues the uh, storyline by Leonard Kirk and James Robinson. Uh, I, however, found this to be a little bit disappointing. Um, I really want to enjoy this book. I really want to enjoy what Robinson's doing. Um, the whole God's Whisper is a cool concept, but and so is having the invaders together. But I'm, the way that Robinson writes Namor, just something about it didn't quite feel right. Like It felt a little bit off. Like It kind of captured part of the arrogance of uh, Namor that we're used to seeing, but it didn't, maybe maybe I'm just so spoiled by Hickman's portrayal of the character that I found this a little bit lackluster. Uh, it lacked a little bit of the regality of him being more of a regal figure, and it just kind of emphasized the arrogance instead, and the impetuousness of the character. As uh, he goes up against um, Tanalath the Pursuer, and as well as a bunch of her cohorts in the Kree, um, we have him being uh, subjected to experiments by the Supreme Intelligence, uh, we then have Captain America and Human Torch going to the Avengers Mansion um, to get, and I just found the entire sequence of the mansion to be a little, a little long in the tooth. A little, I didn't really like the artwork by Kirk here. I felt it looked really um, awkward, and at times from afar, Human Torch looked a lot, way too much like uh, Barry Allen, the Flash from DC. Um, and uh, then we have the, the inclusion of the uh, alien space cop version of the Vision. The Golden Age Vision, who um, is re- re- recruited by Bucky Barnes, uh, the group then decides that they're going to go into space together, and they're going to go to Hala. And then once in Hala, they're uh, you know confronted by the Kree, and then we find out that they, even though the Asgardians are now protected against the God's Whisper, they're able to uh, mind control Icarus of the Eternals. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but something about this just fails to ring true for me. Uh, the characterization isn't quite as spot on as I would have expected. The artwork by Leonard Kirk isn't as good as I would have expected either. Um, I'm just a little bit disappointed in this book, and maybe I'm even more disappointed because I expected I expected a lot more. Actually, I just realized this isn't Leonard Kirk at all. Sorry, this is Steve Steve Puch or Puch as the penciler with James Robinson still writing. Um, I just expected more from this. So I'm going to give it a six. Uh, next up is Avengers World number four. Talking about expecting more. Uh, last issue was a brilliant issue, uh, a taught martial arts epic. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. This issue by Hickman and Spencer with Casellian art um, is just doesn't even stand near to the last issue. Um, it's very it's uh, you know a star brand heavy issue. Uh, they're going on like kind of like a field trip to uh, uh, Velletri, Italy, the city of the dead. Um, and it's Spider-Woman, Night Mask, Night, uh, Starbrand, and Hawkeye. 
they kind of have this weird adventure there uh, where Starbrand's kind of being kind of being abused in his mind and he's going back into the past inside his head and all the people that that could have been Starbrand and it's kind of interesting but again not as interesting as it could have been uh Sebastian Druid is uh brought in to discuss things with uh both Steve Rogers and Bruce Banner which was cool because I really like the character from Secret Warriors and glad he's being used again uh but most of the issue is just centered on Starbrand who is not necessarily that much of a character yet um and having him go up against Morgan Le Fay at the end could be cool but again there was a lot of this issue just I felt did not work for me on many different levels um it it just I didn't find the characterization of Starbrand all that interesting even the artwork by Caselli didn't quite seem like his best as uh, either it seemed a little lackluster um I don't know it was just missing something and it's hard to put my finger on it but like his, his portrayal of Banner seemed off too artistically speaking um just the issue I'm going to give a 6 and I think that's almost like a high 6 because uh, I think it could have gone a little bit lower uh, next up is Batman and Aquaman number 29 um, I'm enjoying, I enjoyed this quite a lot uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the Dent storyline so I'm glad that we're kind of moving on from that and now as much as we're kind of going back to the Damien stuff this is potentially more interesting where it's the hunt for Robin as Batman decides, you know, Ra's al Ghul has taken this, the body of my son and, and his mother. I'm going to hunt him down and hunt down those bodies. Uh, our work is by Patrick Gleason, and it's written by Peter J. Tomasi. Uh, the team-up with Aquaman was actually a lot of fun. Um, just having Batman and Aquaman, the way they kind of regard each other here was interesting. And I like that we kind of have this cool version of Aquaman being very much a badass. Um... I mean, there's not a lot to the story in some ways because it's basically Batman and Aquaman trying to um, find the bot, you know, the bodies of Talia and Damien, and along the way they find themselves, you know, kind of in a, a whale, uh, a whale uh, graveyard, and kind of dealing with that. And Batman also having to confront, you know, kind of demented, twisted, messed up versions of or attempted clones of his son. Um, Pretty pretty dark and crazy stuff here. Uh, very enjoyable issue. I'm interested to see where the storyline goes from here. Um, and it appears that he's Batman's headed to Paradise Island, uh, and so that's a I guess a Princess Diana or a Wonder Woman team up coming up. The artwork by uh, Tom, uh, Gleason is it's pretty good for the most part, although there are some instances where his characters do a little have a bit of a dead face thing going on. Especially if there's a shot of Aquaman early on in the issue. Uh, when he first kind of arrives, and the look on his face, just, I don't know, there's something about the characters looking a little bit dead, and usually that doesn't matter because it's Batman's book, and characters be having the, such a dark look makes sense, but when it's Aquaman, it, it, it feels a little more out of place. But I did enjoy it, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is an all-new Marvel Now launch, we have Daredevil number one. Uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, it's by Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Not a big surprise since they're the uh, creative team that were originally on the book before it was uh, relaunched as part of Only Marvel Now. Um, it's a San Francisco-based book now. The art's the same, but the, the writing is the same, but it's very different in its mentality. Uh, I like that you have Murdoch kind of working as a consultant of kind of sorts with the police. Uh, I like him kind of being in San Francisco and how he's teaming up with, um, oh, now I forget her name, but uh, Kristen McDuffie. Uh, it's just a fun, fast-paced issue, a lot of daring-do, um, a lot of, you know, Daredevil kind of 
being a hero and uh, not it's not really as, as centered on the Matt Murdock aspects it's much more on the superheroic aspects um, and I'm really wondering what's going on with Foggy because it looks like he's dead but obviously he's not dead um, so I'm interested to see what's going on there but hopefully that'll be something that we slowly get over the next few issues uh, I really dug this this new issue though it definitely sets up the new status quo um, this is the you know 50th anniversary of Daredevil, and what a way to ring it in with yet another Daredevil number one. I've really enjoyed this, though. It's an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Miss Marvel number two. This book is probably the biggest surprise for me. I did not really expect a lot from the first issue, and I absolutely adored it. Um, this second issue by Willie Wilson and uh, Adrian Alfona is just fantastic as Kamala tries to struggle with what her powers are, the fact that she can some, somehow shapeshift, um, she can look like the kind of the blonde, tall bombshell. She can also have, you know, crazily large arms and hands. Uh, she can look like herself. Um, most of the issues is her kind of struggling with figuring this out and how <laughs> how uncomfortable it might be to actually wear Miss Marvel's costume. Um, she goes home and gets in trouble for kind of sneaking out and going to a party. Uh, definitely a lot to go on here, and it's interesting to see where they're going to go with the next issue. In terms of further developing her and giving her eventually like a persona of her own as Miss Marvel, um, fantastic you know origin story so far. Really dug this. The artwork is fantastic. Uh, the slow pace of the story actually works, and we really get a sense of who this girl is and who she wants to be or could be. Um, really interesting. And there's a good sense of humor in here as well. Uh, I'm gonna give it a, uh, an eight and a half out of ten. Extremely strong debut. Uh, next up is Supergirl 29. Now, I haven't really been reading Red Lanterns, but uh, I don't know. Th this was okay. I mean, I think the last issue was much more interesting with her before she gets the Red Ring and becoming a, a Red Lantern. But here, we just kind of have her like jumping in and her going up against Siobhan and attacking her and not really... I, I felt out of place. I felt like I didn't really know what was going on and Siobhan is the Silver Banshee fighting against Supergirl. I thought the issue just was really prolonged without really having a good point to it and then basically it just gets her off Earth uh, to go on for the rest of the storyline. I'm going to give it a... I don't know, I guess a five and a half. I think the artwork is probably better than the story is. Um, the artwork is by Yilda Ray Sinar with uh, the writing by Tony Bedard. I'm a little dis disappointed with Bedard's scripting here. Uh, next up is New Avengers number 15. I was also disappointed with this. This felt like the kind of the week of disappointments in some way, at least so far. Uh, Supergirl was not that great. New Avengers number 15, I expected a lot more, but I'm only going to give it a 6. Um, part of that's the artwork by, uh, what's his name, Sim Simone Bianchi. I'm not a big fan of his art. Um, I think the script here would have been a lot better with maybe if a different artist had been on there. Like I think at times it wasn't quite clear what was happening. Uh, I didn't really like how the characters were illustrated at all, and it does kind of impact the overall reading experience in a big way. I do like that the idea that they're finally finding out more about the Black Swan as a character, and looking kind of into time to see what's happening through the bridge. So that was really cool. And so it's, but it's not really moving the storyline all that much forward at all. Um, and, yeah, it, it definitely, there's a lot going on and a lot that Hickman wants to say, but this issue doesn't do a lot to say it, and the artwork is really atrocious, and I thought the storytelling capabilities of the art were not very high. That's why I'm only going to give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, it's more because of the art than the story. Speaking of, 
we have Nova number 15, which is, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, I like this Nova. I like Jerry Dugan generally writing it. And I like David Baldi on art, but this issue just didn't quite make it for me. Uh, we start off with the issue with Nova trying to save Cosmo. Uh, and then he goes up against uh, some of, uh, what, I forget what his name is, Skern's kind of fluggies. Uh, it kind of takes them out and tries to go up against Skarn himself. Um, and then he goes back to, back to Earth and he tries to make sure that no one realizes that he's you know, been missing class, etc. And then he decides he's uh, he's going to go try and protect and help uh, Beta Ray Bill, but it's too late. They're already really going to get uh, potentially screwed by Skarn. Um, the issue was not the strongest. Uh, it was it had the aspects of the el- sorry the elements I usually enjoy in a novel book, but it they weren't quite all in place, and the art wasn't as strong as normal either. Uh, the script felt like it was a little too simple in some ways to kind of potentially get rid of Skarn, and I don't know, it just felt like we were almost prolonging the issue one issue longer than it had to be, just to kind of throw in some Earth elements that maybe didn't need to be there. Like, I don't know, something about it just didn't quite fire an old cylinders for me, which was disappointing. So I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 10. Uh, this was good. Um, I think it could have been better, mainly because it definitely felt like a major kind of fill-in. Um, it's by, let's see, the recap art was by Gerardo Sandoval and Andres Mosa, and then the actual issue itself, uh, let's see, was by Asmus and Carmonero, Paolo, Mosa, and Cowles. Um, so a lot of the issue, like when we start the issue, it's basically about Overdrive, and his kind of history with uh, with Hercules, and so we're seeing like a kind of a, a story about that, which is by Asmus and Plotty, uh, where you have um, Hercules bestowing the gift of battle, and we kind of see how um, uh, Hercules kind of, kind of besmirched, uh, is the, sorry, Hercules is kind of the reason why Overdrive wears the helmet, uh, because of what happened when they almost had an interaction at one point, um, then we see uh, another story about with the Beetle, uh, which is the Beetle against Daredevil, um, which is by James Asmus and Sia Oyum, um, which was kind of fun, but I don't know, very, I don't know, very forgettable little story about about the Daredevil. Um, and then we have a Speed Demon story, which is Speed Demon by James Asmus and Pepe Larraz and Andres Mosa, and that's a story about how you know Speed Demon is kind of a liar and how how he handles things, uh, as, as a potential villain. I found this issue not the greatest, uh, mainly because we have a certain flow in the story, and this issue just kind of took us completely off that flow. Um, it, it wasn't bad, but the art was a little inconsistent. I don't know. I'm really torn. I was going to say I liked it, and the more I looked at what was actually happening in the issue, the more I thought, you know, the villain aspect of it actually did hurt it quite a lot. So I'm actually going to downgrade it to a 6. I was going to give it an 8 for some reason. First time I looked at it, I gave it an 8. And I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Uh, next up is Superior, Superior Spider-Man Annual number 2. Well, I do like it when annuals count, and this one most definitely counts. Uh, it's written by Christos Gage. Um, artwork by Javier Rodriguez and Philippe Brion. Uh, with uh, Alvaro Lopez and Philippe Brion on inks. Uh, the first story is absolutely fantastic. It's a Ben, it's a ben York story. Him kind of in the middle of Goblin Nation, trying to deal with the fact that his, you know, 
of Phil York and what might have happened to him, and knowing that Phil York is still, you know, he's still out there, but now he's the Goblin Knight, and Ben York thinks there might be some way to kind of, you know, find some some good for redemption. He hasn't given up on Phil yet. Uh, he kind of gets embroiled in what's been going on with Carly Cooper, otherwise known as Monster. Uh, he really wants there to be a cure that will actually work, so he wants to use the cure on Phil, but unfortunately is not given an opportunity to do so. Phil then basically like brutalizes Joe Robinson in front of Yurik, um, which is really like kind of hard to watch and to see the character fall so far. Spirit Spider-Man quickly goes up against Goblin Knight and fights him, uh, and is then basically gets Phil York takes off and says, "You can either you know go after me or you can save Ben um, Robbie Robertson." Spider-Man saves Robbie Robertson and basically tells Ben York to understand that you know Phil is too far gone, um, but. Phil won't give up because he's a reporter and he owes it to who his nephew was. So I really enjoyed that story. I thought it was extremely well done. A, a very classic Ben Yurick style story and uh, quite enjoyable and great art. And then the second story is not as strong. Uh, Brion's artwork is not quite up to the level that uh, the artwork in the prior story was. The first page especially is a little confusing in terms of perspective as the Wraith fights against the living brain. But... Again, the actual perspective of the artwork doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but it's Living Brain going up against Wraith. I'm glad to see that we haven't seen the last of the Living Brain. Uh, Wraith goes up against Monster. Monster finally gets injected with uh, the Cure. And then she turns back into Curly Cooper, but now seems to be in a coma. Uh, definitely intrigued about this and surprised it happened in an annual, not in the actual main mainline Superior Spider-Man book, but uh, definitely made it feel like the issue definitely mattered, and uh, it wasn't like, people usually think of annuals as kind of being extraneous, but this felt like it definitely had a huge part to play, and was an important uh, series of events to happen within Goblin Nation. Uh, so I give the issue a 9 out of 10, mainly buoyed in the strength of the uh, first issue, first story, although the second story was no slouch, the first story was much stronger. Uh, next up is Superior Spider, sorry, Uncanny X-Men, 19 point now. Uh, this is starting the next major uh, storyline for Uncanny X-Men, which is the whole War with S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, X-Men vs. S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's by Bendis and Bacallo. As I've said in recent issues, I haven't been a huge fan of this book. I just feel like it hasn't had a lot of direction. Here I feel like we're far, finally starting to get some of that. As uh, David, who's recently been dumped by, um, by uh, Cyclops and the X-Men, goes back home and he finds S.H.I.E.L.D. waiting for him. Uh, we also get to see uh, what's actually happened to Dazzler, uh, ever since Mystique took her place. We have Maria Hill really kind of... Uh, there's a weird sequence of events where we have Maria Hill really detaining David and talking to him, while at the same time, intercut, we have uh, Mystique and Sabretooth talking about Dazzler. And Dazzler does seem to maybe be awake, or maybe not, who knows. Uh, we then see Scott Summers finding a, a new mutant showing up with Cerebro, so him and the X-Men go to investigate, but find themselves beset by Sentinels, who seem to be able to neutralize their specific abilities, uh, except for specific things like uh, magic's uh, uh, actual magic powers that she has been able to train herself with, and Eva's time bubble. Um, so there definitely are some interesting ideas in here, but I thought it took a lot, a little too long to get there, and um, I'm not really sure who the character on the last page is supposed to be with the big bubble on his head. I don't know who that's supposed to be exactly. This issue was definitely a step up, but I'm going to give it only... I'm going to give it a 7. I was thinking 6.5. I'm going to give it a 7. Uh, next up is Winter Soldier, The Bitter March, number 2. 
This felt like a bit of a step down from the first issue, which definitely felt a little stronger. I love the covers, though. They're fantastic. Uh, the issue itself is written by uh, Brick Remender with art by Roland Boshi. Um, you have two Nazi scientists who have been rescued from Hydra by... Uh, what's his name? Uh, it's, I forget his name. He's one of the... Um, Ranshen, sorry, one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Nick Fury is now kind of M.I.A. We don't want to know what happened to him. Uh, Ranshen and Winter Soldier have both kind of been trying to take these uh, Nazi scientists, of which the woman is really the only one that they really need, but the man is pretending that she has a part in the uh, formula she's created. Uh, he kind of wants to go with Hydra and not go with either the Soviets or the Americans. Um... There is a character here, Horace, who I didn't had no idea who this actually was, but it's actually Dr. Mindbubble. So it's interesting to see Remender kind of cross-pollinate uh, this character in both the Winter Soldier and Captain America ongoing. Um, so Ranshan is trying to protect the two scientists. Winter Soldier hunts them down in this small village that they're in. Uh, they're able to escape, and the Winter Soldier is temporarily uh, taken out and neutralized, uh, although it's not going to last long. The scientists and uh, Ranshan end up on a, on a, on a train. Ranshan is flirting with the, the female scientist a bit, and they're definitely getting a little bit closer, while at the same time, uh, Hydra is talking to the husband. Um, and then, just when you think, you know, it, they got one problem to deal with, in comes a Winter Soldier, so the Winter Soldier fights Ranshan, while at the same time, you then have a Hydra agent ready to attack them. Uh, a lot of moving parts here, but I love the artwork, love the storytelling. Um, I love the uh, cramped space that the story is taking place on. Uh, this was fantastic. A really good read. It gave it an 8 out of 10. Not quite as strong as the first issue, but still quite good. Uh, next up is Wolverine and the X-Men number 2. Uh, this I gave a 6.5 out of 10. Could have been a lot stronger. I, mean, I don't even know where this is supposed to be because it appears to be before Wolverine goes off on his own to be killable and all that. Uh, it's written by Jason Latour with artwork by Mahmoud Azrar. Um, again, a lot of a focus on this new Phoenix Corporation, which is potentially very interesting, and uh, what this means for mutants and for those uh, potentially affected. Uh, Wolverine definitely being very self-destructive, and Storm kind of dealing with him on that. Kid Omega trying to kind of take off on his own. Um, you have Genesis kind of dealing with the fact of you know who he is or who he could be. Um, we. It seems to be some sort of time traveling that deals with the Phoenix Corporation. Uh, interesting concepts here. Maybe not the best execution, but I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. And the last book I'm going to talk about this week, and I do apologize for being a little bit more clipped to this episode as I've had a little bit less time to actually do the podcast in, but I want to make sure we got one in, is X-Men number 12. Um, it's by Brian Wood with power work by Anka on the main story. That's Chris Anka. And then the backup is by um, uh, Clay Mann, who's going to be, I believe, the regular artist in this soon. Um, so now we have the Archaea dealing with um, Lady Deathstrike's current host trying to kill herself. Uh, we have Madeline Pryor being resurrected. Uh, you have the ex-ladies kind of going up against Archaea, trying to neutralize her uh, assistants. And they seem, are seemingly able to do it. Now, my only problem with this issue is that it seemed almost too easy to end up isolating Archaea. Uh, and even the backup seemed too quick to realize what exactly was going on with uh, Jubilee. And that actually make it easy to uh, for her to be fine and fight against these giant sentinels. Very good issue. Still a lot of fun. But 
I just thought it, it ended a little bit too easy. Both stories were a little bit quick to the finish, uh, so I gave them a 7 out of 10. Books I didn't get a chance to look at include the following, All New Ghost Rider number 1, which I don't think actually came out, but it was listed on the Diamond list uh, for what was shipping, but I think that's coming out this week, but again, it says it's something else, so I'm a little unclear as to what, if it's actually come out yet or not, but as far as I know, it didn't come out yet. Uh, next up, we have American Vampire Second Cycle number 1, uh, Animal Man 29, Batman 66 number 9, uh, Batman Beyond Universe number 8, Batwoman number 29, Bridge of Prey 29, Dexter Down Under number 2, Disney Kingdoms, Seekers of Weird number 3, Green Lantern New Guardians 29, Early Quinn number 4, um, Iron Man 23.9, Marvel Knights Hulk number 4, Red Hood and the Outlaws 29, Revolutionary War Warheads, number one. Scribble Knots Unmasked, Crisis of Imagination, number three. Suicide Squad, 29. Superman Unchained, six. Thor Got a Thunder, 20. Thunderbolts, 23. I started reading it, but I just did no interest for the whole versus Venom thing. Uh, Trinity of Sin, Pandora, number nine. Unwritten Volume 2, Apocalypse, number three. And Wonder Woman, 29. Uh, a quick glimpse at the, some of the books that are coming out this coming week. On the 26th, they include from DC some highlights of the new issue of Aquaman. Uh, the new issue of The Flash. Uh, I believe the last chapters of Forever Evil Argus and Forever Evil Rogue's Rebellion. Um, and we've also got new issues of Red Lanterns, Larflees, Superman, Talon, Teen Titans, and World's Finest. Uh, at Image Comics this coming week, we have Manhattan Project 19, which unfortunately looks like it's another issue inside Oppenheimer's head, which not, I, I would have, I don't know, I love the last issue's cliffhanger, so if it's all in his head, before he gets murdered, then I'm going to be a little bit less interested in the issue, just because it's not the storyline I'm most excited by. But it'll still be a good issue by no means. Uh, by all means, I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, Marvel Comics wise, we have a new issue of A Plus X, as I believe it's almost over. Uh, all new X Factor number five. Man, they're pumping that book out. New issue of Amazing X Men, Avengers 27. Uh, you have, if you've been following Cable and the X Force before, prior to its uh, cancellation or mergement with the regular X Force. It's uh, got its fourth trade paperback. You have Captain America Homecoming number one. Not even sure what that is. Daredevil The End of Days story by Brian Michael Bendis is coming to trade paperback finally. We have the new chapter of Guardians of the Galaxy 13. Hawkeye 18. Uh, Indestructible Hulk 20 as I believe it's almost over. Iron Patriot number one and all new Marvel Now launch. New issue of Miracle Man of Origin 2 number four. No interest in that but I'll read it but I really was not a huge fan of the first three. Really excited about the debut of Silver Surfer number one. Uh, Superior Spider-Man 30. Cannot wait for this issue. Uh, we got Superior Spider-Man team up number 11, which will be exciting as well. I still have no idea what Survive is, and I don't think anyone really knows. And an all-new issue, sorry, a new issue of Uncanny Avengers, which is number 18, which I'm super pumped for. And uh, there's also the Wolverine by Jason Aaron Complete Collection, volume 2. Uh, also, Uncanny X-Force, its third volume, which was The Great Corruption. Uh, and for those who've been following New Avengers in the trades or hardcovers, hardcover volume 3, Ragnarok Now, is coming out as well. So that's a glimpse at what is coming out tomorrow on the 26th of March. Thanks again for joining me for this episode where we took a look at the releases from March 19th. Um, our next episode, episode, I guess, 156, which was originally supposed to be a spotlight on the Muppets Most Wanted movie. Unfortunately, I was not able to end up uh, seeing that with uh, Tupper Mate 
who would have been my co-host on the episode as we had to reschedule. So um, I've undecided what the new episode will be yet, but episode 158 will most definitely be our Captain America Winter Soldier episode. Anyways, thank you for joining me. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, uh, post in our HG Realms thread, and you can also rate and review us on iTunes to help expand the reach and scope of the show. Thank you once again for joining me, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.